0: Hi, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of Bethlehem Church. We are located in Austin, Minnesota, and I'm Pastor Paul Steele. We are in a sermon series entitled Living by Faith as we look at the book of James. Now, James is a letter found in the New Testament, and it's written by James, who is the half-brother of Jesus. And he's writing to Jewish Christians who are scattered throughout the Roman Empire. He's sharing his wisdom with them so that they can have the knowledge they need to live a life of faith within the culture that they find themselves in. Now, we are in a very similar situation. We're asking ourselves, how do we live a life of faith? How do we follow Jesus in the culture that we live in, in the politics that that?" we have with the money and the luxuries that we get to enjoy within the multicultural and multi-religious realities that are expressed in our society, in our culture. And our hope is that as we go through this book, the wisdom that James shared with these Jewish Christians 2000 years ago, Will help give us guidance on how we live a life of faith today. Now let's get into the sermon. Okay, we are still in James as we're talking about living by faith. And uh, thankfully, this passage is pretty straightforward. Uh, So when my brother and I got uh, and talked about this uh, earlier this week. We're like, huh, finally, a passage that's kind of uh, like, what you read is what you get. So that's what we're looking at. James chapter 1, uh, verses 19 through 27. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. So how closely would you listen if your lives depended on it. If your life depended on how well or how closely you listened to instructions, how well would you be listening? How well would you be listening? Robert Kofershmed was 81 years old and had never flown a plane before. He was flying... With his uh, friend uh, who was who, who's a pilot uh, who was a pilot uh, by the name of wayne Schickel. and uh, and Wayne was fifty two years old but while they were flying from Indianapolis to Muncie, Indiana, Wayne died and so here you have Robert eighty one years old, up in the plane uh, which was a Cessna 172, so a single-engine plane, and it began to nosedive, and Robert grabbed the controls and started to plead on the radio that he needed help. There were two pilots flying nearby who came to his aid and started giving him instructions, and they led him to a nearby airport, and it started to get time to do the landing which is the scariest part. And it took Robert some time, <laughs> because they, made, they circled the airport three times before attempting the landing. And there were all these re, uh, emergency vehicles there ready to, to, to jump into action. And Robert was able to land that plane, even though it skidded off the runway and, and went into the, the bog that was nearby and was able to walk away unhurt. But it all depended on how closely he was going to listen to these other pilots' instructions and what to do. How well would you listen if your life depended on it? Last week, we talked about the, the reality that life is filled with trouble, right? James says, consider it pure joy when you face various kinds of troubles. And we've all lived long enough to know that life is hard, right? There's a number of things that come at us. And so James says, if you want to live a life of faith, if you want God to be able to use these trials and hardships and difficulties in your life to mature you, to grow you, then you need to ask for wisdom. You need to ask for wisdom. Wisdom, here's the thing though, wisdom only makes a difference in our lives if we listen to it. Wisdom only makes a difference in our life if we listen to it. And so when we come to the Bible, which is the source of God's wisdom, we often approach it with the question how should a disciple of Jesus live? How should we live? And what we discover here in the book of James is that, a, is that a disciple of Jesus should live each day by faith. We should live each day by faith. But like many things, right, that's easier said than done. Right? We, we can say that as disciples of Jesus, we should love God and love people. sounds simple enough, but it's easier said than done. It's easier to say we are to live by faith than it is to actually do it. So how do we live by faith? Well, that's why we need wisdom. We need wisdom. But how do we receive the wisdom that God has for us? Right, When we pray for wisdom how do we receive it what should we do well james gives some age-old advice so james chapter 1 verse 19 through 21 understand this my dear brothers and sisters you must all be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to get angry human anger does not produce the righteousness god desires so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word god has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls james says here understand this this is his way of trying to catch the reader's attention or the hearer's attention hey this is what i want you to know pay attention to what i have for you. Listen to this. Understand this. James wanted his readers to catch this. Then he goes on to quote or recite a very common proverb. The Jews had this proverb. The Greeks had this proverb. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Right, we understand, like there, that that's just common sense. We understand that it's important for us to listen. And part of that listening process, right, is not trying to come up with our response. That as we are there and we're having this conversation or we're we're setting and, and and receiving this teaching that we're not in our minds trying to think, oh, how am I going to respond to that? What am I going to say? No, take time. Listen. Think about what's being said. Right? See, we, we live, we live in, a, in, a, in a time because of social media and everything where we think or, or people in general think that I have to have a response to this. You know, I mean, that's part of what especially Twitter is all about. Like, hey, this thing happened, and so now now I have to put my thoughts about this whole thing out there for all the world to see. James is saying, no, take some time. Listen to what is being taught. Listen to what is being told to you, and take time to think about it. Meditate on it. How does this apply to you? So what James does do here, though, is he adds something. He adds this little thing, be slow to anger. Be slow to anger. Now why is James saying, be slow to anger? Where does that whole thing come from? Well, most likely, because remember, James's audience are Jews. Primarily Jewish Christians scattered throughout the the empire, but but also James is wanting his fellow Jews to read this letter and understand that Jesus is the Messiah. That following Jesus is the best way to live. But because this is written probably in the mid 40s AD, right? Who's still in control of Israel? The Romans what did the jewish people expect jesus to do to overthrow the romans that's still a huge part that doesn't that doesn't go away just because jesus rose from the dead and so most likely james is saying here you want god's kingdom to come you want this world to be transformed well, your zealous—you know the zealots—your zealous ideologies are not going to do that. Your anger and your violence are not going to transform this world into the world that God wants you wants it to be. So how does that apply to our lives? Well, one way it applies is that if we want to see a change happen within our culture, it's not going to happen because we get angry about it and we get in shouting matches with people. No, it's going to happen because we follow the way of Jesus. But the other way that applies to us is that anger is not the way to transform our lives. It's not the way to transform Our children, right? Anger is not the way. So when we do something and we know it's a sin, and we we've all been there, right? I'm not the only one that does this, right? Hopefully, right? You sin and you such an idiot. Have you done that? Done that? Like like you get angry with yourself, but does that really change anything? No, it doesn't. You can get mad at yourself, but that's not going to lead you to transformation. Or think about children, right? Your children are doing something you dislike, and it gets on your nerves. All of a sudden, you're yelling at them. Does it change their behavior? Well, it might change it for that moment. But long-term, it doesn't change. Because anger is not the way to bring about change. And that's what James is saying. You want transformation in your life, you want transformation in the world. It's not going to happen because of anger. Instead, this is what you need to do. You need to get rid of all moral filth. You need to change the way you live. And he says to humbly accept the word of God because it has the power to change Urge to save your lives God's word is the catalyst needed to bring salvation to our lives but it doesn't ha- happen automatically a lot of people hear God's word doesn't mean their lives become transformed now we still need to obey it we still need to obey what we hear what we listen to So that brings us to this question, what does it mean to listen? What does it mean to listen? James 1, uh, starting with verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So one of the th- things here that we have to, to see is that, it, well, James says here, don't just hear the word. And, you know, I I like the New Living Translation. Preach from it. Uh part of what I I used to study with during the week. But I think they translate this a little confusing because there's two Greek words that they translate listen here. And the the Greek word that they use uh, that is in in verse 19 that says be quick to listen, that that word listen means to do. It means to hear and do. Do, put in practice. The majority of the time when you see the word listen in the Bible, it implies the doing, not just the hearing. Now this word listen that that is used in this paragraph in verses 22, um, it means to hear, just to hear it. And so I think that it makes it a little bit difficult because they use the the word listen in in those two words. Places because this doesn't imply the doing. This is just about the receiving of God's word or hearing it. And that's not what we're supposed to do. So for prayer time, right, we used how Jesus concluded the Sermon on the Mount. He tells this little parable... This little illustration of who is a wise person and who's a foolish person. A wise person, Jesus says, is like the builder who builds his house on the rock. That person hears, listens to what I say, and does it. That's what makes a person wise. But the foolish person hears and doesn't do it. So they, the fool knows what to do, and they choose not to do it. The fool knows what to do, and they choose not to do it. And so here James uses a similar illustration of a mirror. There's a story that's told about a missionary in the in the in the jungles of Africa in the 1800s, and he's out shaving with a mirror and the local witch doctor walks by and sees herself in that mirror and she starts to demand that the missionary give her the mirror and he like no 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 and and finally because of her persistence he gives it to her and once she gets it she throws it on the ground and breaks it and says finally that won't be making funny, angry faces at me anymore. She didn't recognize her own face in the mirror. See, we have no problem with knowing what we look like. We have access to mirrors all the time. We have pictures. I mean, we take selfies. We know what we look like. Just imagine living in a time in a culture where you didn't have access to mirrors all the time. You would have no clue what you looked like. And that's, that's part of what's going on here. It's that the only mirrors they had were very polished pieces of metal and not necessarily everybody had access to those. So when James says, hey, you glance at yourself in a mirror and then walk away and forget what you look like, he's may tell them the truth there were people who had no idea what they really even looked like but he says that when we hear this word we know what we need to adjust our lives to it see sometimes we're like that witch doctor who takes that mirror and throws it on the ground and breaks it we hear God's word from the Bible, and we're like, no, 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 no. And we're like, I'm not going to listen to that thing anymore. That, that's some ancient book that has no bearing on my life, and so we don't listen to what it has to say to us. And James' point here is that we need to look in the mirror we need to study the mirror and when we understand that there are things that are out of place we need to make those adjust- adjustments but James makes this point that we are to study what the perfect law that brings freedom what is the perfect law or more important or more appropriately Who is the perfect law? It's Jesus. Right? Because Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. And by fulfilling the law, he becomes the law. He's the law that is able to bring us freedom. And so James is saying, I want you to study Jesus. And I want you to align, I want you to to make adjustments based on him right? Because we are here to bear God's image in this world. We are to reflect his character in this world, and the only way that we can do that is if we get our lives as close as possible to the one we are following, the one we are reflecting. This week, I saw this picture uh, taken inside a, a gym, it was on it was posted on the mirror you know and, and Jim, you know they have the full length mirror so the guys working out can study their form and everything and the sign said hey keith could you limit your posing time to 30 minutes because you're you're uh, encroaching on dennis's time mirror time because you know they're they're posing and they're studying themselves and that's what James is saying, I want you to study Jesus. I want you to look into that mirror, study who Jesus is, what he looks like, and then I want you to go do that. That's how I want you to live. So what does that mean for our lives? What does that mean for our lives? Verses 26 and 27. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. James says, if you claim to be religious, Well, you might be saying, oh, that leaves me out because, hey, I'm a Christian. That means I have a relationship with God. I'm not religious. Well, you're missing the point of what James is saying here, right? When James uses this word religious, basically what he is saying is, if you claim to be a disciple of Jesus, if you claim to be a disciple of Jesus, but don't live like that way, you're just fooling yourself. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus and you don't have control over your tongue, you're really not following him. So part of what James is saying here is that the word we have to be in control of the words that come out of our mouths. Right? The words that come out of our mouths shouldn't be gossip. They shouldn't be deceptive. They shouldn't be filthy. They should be life-giving and encouraging. They should be filled with truth. So how do you know you're a disciple of Jesus? Well, part of it is based on what your mouth says. What's coming out of your mouth? But he goes on to say, pure religion Those who follow Jesus, this is what they're engaged in. They're engaged in helping the most vulnerable people in the culture, in your society. Orphans and widows were at the bottom. They were totally dependent on others for survival. And so we should be in the habit of helping people in need. Friends and family really first because they're the ones that are around us all the time but when god reveals to us a need shows us some place we can help then we're like yeah i need to do that so we're helping people we're loving them we're serving them and he says also if you're a follower of jesus then you need to be uncorrupted by the world in other words you need to live a holy life You can't let the world come in and corrupt you. You can't let the world come in and say, this is is the definition of love that you need to be living. This is your definition of truth. This is is your definition of tolerance. This is your definition of whatever. We can't let the world define for us what it means to live, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. No, we're uncorrupted by the influence of the world. And we are living as exiles in this world. Foreigners, alien, aliens, exiles. That means we're living a totally different culture than the one around us. We're living the culture of heaven in this world and not the culture of the world. So out of this, so we, we need wisdom to get through this world. So, not only do we need to ask for wisdom, part of faith is actually listening to the wisdom, hearing and doing it. So, what do we need to know? Well, first of all, we need to know we have to receive the word. Right? That's what verses 19 through 21 were all about. Receiving the word. To be a disciple means to be a student. Right? To be a disciple means to be a student. We are learning. And we are teachable when we listen more than speak. We are teachable when we listen more than we speak. Our job is to receive the word, not to offer our opinion about it. We are to receive the word, do the word, not just say, hey, this is what I think this all means. And we need to remember that an angry spirit is never a listening and teachable spirit. An angry spirit is never a listening and teachable spirit. If we're becoming angry, then we're not really listening. Transformation doesn't happen through anger. Second, we need to practice the word. That's what James writes in 22 through 25, practicing the word. Now, imagine I own a company, and you come and work for me, and... I need to go do take care of some business over in Europe so I'm going to be gone and I put you in charge of the company and every day I'm writing to you emails like this is what I want you to do this is what I expect to to see happen and about six months later I come back and the building is in disrepair there's weeds where there should be flowers, you know, like things just look bad. I walk in, nobody's at the reception desk, find somebody and say, hey, where's the manager at? Like, what person doesn't even recognize me, and they, well, I think he's somewhere back there. I walk out, I walk down the hall, and you come out of the room, and I'm like, hey, what's going on here? Well... What do you mean? Things are going great. I'm like, did you receive any of my emails? Oh, yeah. Read every one. In fact, fact, we have a group that meets at 3 o'clock that studies your emails. We have some people who have collected them all together. They carry them in their back pockets. We have some people who have memorized entire emails. Well, have you done any of it? No, but we've read them. Right, That's what James is saying here. You can't just hear the word. You can't just study the Bible. As important as that is. No, you have to put it into action. You have to do what it says. Disciples need to be doers of God's word. And then we need to live the word. Verses 26 and 27. Live the word. Don't make a false claim that you're following Jesus if you don't intend to live it out. We need to do what what God says. We need to follow Jesus. How do we know if we're disciples? We speak words of life. We help those who are in need, and we live differently from the world. Disciples of Jesus speak words of life, help those in need, and live differently from the world. So here's the bottom line. A disciple of Jesus does what God says. A disciple of Jesus does what God says. Disciples love the Bible. We put effort into aligning our lives to it when we put no effort in to change means we're just playing a religious game and that's not what God intends for our lives he wants us to experience life through the transformation that comes about from his word that's what he desires for us so here's our challenge this week our challenge is to read James chapter 2 and as we're reading Ask yourself, what, how can I put my faith into action here? What is one way I can put my faith into action and go do it? Like, like, let's do this. Let's read God's word and let's align our lives to it. As simple as it sounds, that is the starting point. So as we come to our prayer response, I want us first to thank god for speaking to us right this is all about god's word god is speaking to us he's speaking to us through the holy spirit through his word through each other so that we can live lives that reflect jesus into this world so let's thank god for speaking to us Let's ask God for understanding. The, the Bible was written in a different time and in a different culture. And sometimes it's, it's hard to understand what God wants for us. So let's ask God for understanding. And let's confess the ways we haven't obeyed and ask for forgiveness. Let's confess the ways we haven't obeyed and ask for forgiveness. Our Father in Heaven, thank you for being here with us today. May we continually remember that we live in the reality of your presence. No matter where we go or what happens to us, you're there by our side. And we ask that, and we, we thank you, that you're speaking to us, that you're revealing your truth, your ways, your love to us. Thank you for not giving up to us. Thank you for this guidance you have given to, to us. And we ask that you would give us understanding. As we read scripture, as we hear teachings, that you would help us to see those connections to what your truth is and how that applies to our lives. And Father, we ask that you would forgive us. We haven't lived according to your word. We've loved your word. We've studied your word. But we can come up with all sorts of excuses why That doesn't apply to us. And so forgive us. Forgive us for our arrogance. Forgive us for our ignorance. And empower us with faith so that we will align our lives to the truth that you've given to us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for watching and listening to our sermon today. I hope that it was an encouragement to you as you follow Jesus. If you've benefited from our Sunday morning live stream, from our bottom bottom line videos, uh, or this sermon podcast, one of the best ways you can support us is simply to give. And you can do that by going to our website, BethlehemChurchAustin.com and following the Give tab. If you have a question, if you have a prayer request that you'd like other people to be praying about, don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can leave a comment. You can send us a a personal message. You can email us. But we would love to be in contact with you. We'd love to, to be praying for you. That's one of the benefits of being part of the worldwide global church is that we are in this together. So have a great rest of the week and God bless.